welcome to another exciting episode of Naysayers, where we delve into the world of equestrian sports and the business behind it. Your host, Marie Marks, the CEO of Bridal, is hosting to have a special guest, Lexi Lin, an American amateur writer based in Italy. Lexi has overcome many challenges in her equestrian journey, and she's here to share her story with us. In this episode, we will discuss the difficulties of buying horses without a team of dedicated people and what she's currently up to in business. So buckle up, grab a snack, and join us as we get to know Lexi and her inspiring story. Lexi, Lexi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, finally. How's everything going? Everything's fine. Just got back from the barn and ran through the grocery store so I can make this podcast. (laughs) It's like someone speak people speak about this podcast as if it was Oprah. Like it's not there yet, you know. I know. (laughs) I know. I actually ran it like a mission. Pony West. Pony West. But uh, yeah, so I'm here, sat down, ready to start, excited to talk to you. Excited to talk to you too. I feel like, to be honest, you know what we should have done? We should literally, I should have flown to you in Italy. We should have opened a bottle of wine, buy a little fire and have this as like a wine chat moment because with the amount of conversations that we have, we should just have started the podcast six months ago. I totally agree with you, (laughs) which uh, is the best way to do it. I think that's the best way to do it. Like in person, like video, so fun. Yeah, well, look, we're both so busy. I mean, you're always all over the freaking place. It's kind of hard to catch you. You never answer your calls. (laughs) And you're always (laughs) so busy. So (laughs) today has to be one of those days. I think the best way to start this would be to talk a little bit about obviously who you are because I'm sure like that's the right way to start just so tell me who is Lexi and what brings Lexi onto onto Bridal's podcast well um I am originally from Florida and I moved to New York um in Florida back in the day I used to do like the X classes for stuff um and then pretty much while I was living in New York I did a little bit here and there, but the drive to Jersey was really far. So as much as I could, I went out and rode. Um, and then I fell in love with a winemaker in Italy oh. and came over here and found that there were literally barns everywhere. Um, but the only thing is that they don't do hunter jumper here. There is no such thing as equitation hunter jumper, as you well know. Um, so this is going to be something that is just more of like a leisurely activity for me, stress relief, kind of having like a spoiled pet, something to do because, you know, I live in the vineyards. There's not really much to do. Um, just day, stay in shape because obviously, you know, there's 16 Michelin star restaurants within like a five mile radius here. So I need to stay in shape. <laughs> Um, and maybe one day if, you know, there's like a hunter show or they I think they call it like a style show here in Italy. 
Um, then I'll do that but I'm literally I'm literally your typical adult amateur client very (laughs) um I (laughs) I just do it for fun you know I'm not really trying to be like the best in the barn or jump the highest or jump the fastest um I do obviously care about my egg based off my foundation but other than that I'm just kind of looking for like a forever heart horse that will bring back my confidence, um, like getting my eye back on the distances, getting back in shape, um, getting my endurance back. So I came to you because of a referral and little did I know you were like my heart person. Did me find my heart horse? <laughs> That's sweet. I, I just say, I just want to say that we should give a big, big shout out to Heather for making this happen because she's a real superstar she is ever she just like literally listens like listened to all my complaining before and then she was like Lexi just speak with her like speak to Marie at bridal and I was like all right okay and then it was the first time the first time I messaged you you messaged me no I think I think we got introduced on Instagram or something like this I messaged you and it was like it was so funny because I messaged you and I'm like okay so you know what exactly are you looking for and I will remember all my life I think it's the first time this happened you sent me like a paragraph it probably was 30 lines long of what you wanted yours to be (laughs) and I was like okay this is gonna be a hell of a ride (laughs) yeah I have to say even though that I don't really plan on super competing extremely picky about my horses <laughs> I think you've you've been the picky like you know if I could give award to people I would give you two awards one the fanciest style to go try horses two yeah. the pickiest client I have ever had <laughs> Maybe, yes, maybe yes, we can. I, I just no. want to put a little story tar- story time here because I think this is a brilliant reflection of who you are, and and also a very sweet and funny one. Can you please remind me and share with our audience what you were wearing when you went to try a very nice horse in England? What was I wearing? Oh my gosh, Burberry? I don't even know what I was wearing. Was I wearing like a Burberry yes, jacket? <laughs> And, and like, like Prada gloves. Uh, yes. Yeah, the thing is, around horses, we get so muddy. Like, my Burberry doesn't go on horses. It really doesn't. So it's just I very know. funny. It tells I know. And I'm, like, literally coordinate everything. So I've bought, like, all of my gloves and all of my boots to color coordinate. I, like, go out and cashmere and <laughs> my moon boots. And I wear my Prada down coat. And everyone's, like, you look like you belong in like Charmonix, like not here, <laughs> not here. Yeah, it was very funny. I'm like, I don't have anything actually, so I should probably be smart things just to ride at the barn. But I was like, I just want to look really cute. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you can look cute in riding clothes. That's true. That's true. I, I did. Uh, I did hit all of the sales on Black Friday. You know. You know what we should do, Lexi. We should just start a brand for. Really fashion picky equestrians who want to look really high end while riding horses. 
You know what I miss, actually? I thought about doing this a while back. And it's just the plain, basic colored stuff. You know what I mean? Just like no embroideries, no huge like logos on things. Just like the plain, like cotton pads, like the baby pads. Remember how the baby pads used to be like in the hunter ring? I thought this was like the cutest thing with the half pad on. And now it's just like all these embroidered big logos everywhere. I'm like, I wish it would just be like, you know how, I don't know if you know or not, but you could be able to go and like used to be able to go and like go to the t-shirt store and buy like cotton plain t-shirts, like white, gray, red, blue. Like I wish there was something like that that you could package like white, gray, red, blue, all these saddle pads that are just super plain, not super expensive could just ride around and eat by packets of them i really like the. there's nothing like it i really like that you know like the the old old school traditional like very 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 traditional english style riding clothes like the cream looking jodhpurs with the high boots and and you know the, the vest to ride like that's very much like the old english riding style and i think that kind of fits with what i'm trying to describe here yeah i think exactly i would totally wear that actually um, Burberry has actually released some like breeches and my best friend, he works at Burberry. So he's been sending me all of them. <laughs> so they're actually really fantastic and they're really not that expensive, but just like that is like the kind of look that they're going for. You know what I mean? Just the classy, elegant, like Ralph Lauren style way of riding. To be honest, there's nothing as nice in my opinion. As, as a nice Ralph Lauren shirt and a nice Ralph Lauren, you know, like, um, how do you say this? Like a like a sweater kind of thing. Like, it's just so elegant and old school, but it's never going to go out of fashion. Anyhow, now that we've spoken a little bit about fashion style, I think that we need to go back to our horses. You have okay. right now two horses, if I'm correct. Right. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit more about your and tell us how you came to meet them. Because I think there's an interesting underlying okay. story here. There is. There definitely is. It's actually it's incredible. Um, so the first horse, which was um, a disaster, um, <laughs> I actually was looking around um, kind of on my own. Uh, my trainer wasn't like, a pro at searching for I do have a lot of people on a big network so I was kind of like reaching out on my own trying to try as many horses as I could I was traveling everywhere but a lot of the times I was having people give me like the American tax so pretty much when they see that you're American they're like oh well she spends a lot of money in America she has no idea probably so they just put up the price of the horse much more than it's really worth. Um, so I actually, while I was riding in Florida, I met this girl when I was. I have no idea. 
happened. I didn't even touch my phone. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I looked down. It was like, you did a great job. I was like, what? Okay. You and I really have the worst luck when it comes to podcast recording. And maybe some editing will have to come into this, which is totally fine. But let's just catch back where we were. So you were talking about the fact that you were riding in Florida and then I lost you. Yeah. Okay. I was riding in Florida. And when I was riding in Florida, um, I was just going to different kinds of barns doing Hunter Jumper Eck, as I mentioned before. And uh, during my riding experiences uh, and journey, I met um, I met a girl, and she was riding at the barn I was riding at, and things like that. And then um, when I moved to New York, she also moved to New York. So, just knowing each other, we started to hang out more and more a lot. Um, then when I moved to Italy, I kept complaining to her about the fact that whenever I was trying to find a horse on my own, just because I do have a good network, um, so I've just been looking just kind of based on myself and who I know. Whenever I would go somewhere, I would get like, what do you call it? Like American taxed. Um, so that kind of just means if anyone doesn't know, a lot of the time here in Europe, the horses are a lot in Florida. Um, just, it's a lot, it's a big, big difference. So when they see American here, they have like dollar signs in their eyes. They try to say, like, oh, this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. She's used to buying a horse for X amount of price. So let's push up the price, even though I know that the horses weren't worth that. So anyway, so she was coming over here to try horses to bring back with her to Florida. And she found one for me. And she was like, look, I really like this horse. And, you know, I think that it will be really good for you. Um, And so I flew over to Belgium. And I tried this horse. This horse was great. I mean, it was not definitely not the cutest horse ever. It's not like the tallest, prettiest horse ever, but it was just like a good horse. You know what I mean? Just super easy, help you find the distances, really easy on the mouth, no spook. It was just like, um, so I went ahead and accepted the price. It wasn't a bad price. Um, And so that transaction was great. I felt really good about it. Um, Then some red flags started to happen. (laughs) And I got the horse here. Um, And of course, you know, I did all the vetting. I did everything. They actually thought I was a psycho because of how much vetting I did. I made the lady, the vet, go to the barn twice, two days in a row, uh, take blood tests, ultrasound, everything. Um, everything passed perfect fine and the horse got here off of the transport and he was lame um, super lame uh, he was rearing he was crazy uh, not something that I was expecting at all uh, actually I remember my trainer was like hey like do you want to do you want me to ride him like the first couple days and I was like I don't even think he's going to need it because he's such an easygoing horse Um, so lo and behold, uh, there was kind of a little argument back and forth with me and the person who helped me find this horse. Um, and they were denying that it was lame, but I was sending the videos. It was obviously very lame. 
And now we're kind of in a battle because I went and I sent the horse to get an MRI at this clinic in Tuscany. And the clinic results came back and said that it was a pre-existing injury. So luckily here in the EU, they have a consumer that if, if within one year you find something that was pre-existing before purchase, they'll either have to take the back, the price of the horse with the injury, so like the actual price, or replace the horse. So kind of that's what we're trying to do now. Um, the people, uh, so it's becoming a big fight. Um, the horse is very spooky. Um, we are working with the best farriers, the best vets. We're really trying to get him to like a point where he's comfortable. Um, but very harsh on the mouth, completely opposite of the horse that I purchased. Um, and this is someone that, you know, I knew very, very well. Like I spent almost every single day with this person in New York. Um, they've met my family. They've met all my friends. So for this to happen with someone that I it just goes to show like you just can't trust anybody. You know what I mean? Like you have to go and just double check and triple check and have someone like you to really follow through and, you know, get the lawyers involved, send proper vets, send another person to try it. Uh, someone super knowledgeable. I mean, I thought that I was doing everything right. I was like crossing my T's, dotting my I's. Um, I mean, I was, again, I was told that I was crazy because of everything that I was doing. I completely insured the horse. Like, I thought that I was covering every single basis possible. Um, but, you know, a lot of things happened. The, there was commission that was taken away uh, that I offered. They declined, but they took it anyways. They actually took double. I actually ended up paying two brokers, um, I, there was just a lot of lies going around, uh, lots of miscommunication. So that was a really shitty situation. Lots of money, lots of time wasted, just a ton of time wasted. I still have the horse now just trying to figure out what's the best for him. Because at the end of the day, he's a victim. You know, it's not, it's a, a horse, it's an animal. You know what I mean? And we're all, I think most of us are in this because of our love of horses. So just trying to find out what the best thing to do for him is um and hopefully we'll go clear but i promise i am not buying another horse <laughs> through anyone else but you again <laughs> <laughs> well look i mean i i, I want to jump in here to i'm going to ask you questions and some of them you know it's also my job to ask the right questions for this podcast and i think that people that are listening will want to know some aspects like you know whenever you buy a horse you're always taking a risk which is one thing to consider and it is indeed in my opinion the responsibility of the buyer as well as the seller to work together in order to close a successful operation um so as a buyer we always tell people that you know as bridal we can't never guarantee you that the horse is never going to spook and never going to have an issue and never going to fail the vet like it's just not realistic but how how did that come to happen if you had a vet that did everything for you that you trusted? That's a part that, to me, is a secret. I, I still don't get it. Yeah, I have honestly no idea. This was also not a vet of the owner. This is a vet of, I guess you can call her the broker now, my friend. 
um, the same vet that they claim that they were using as well for the rest of their horses. Uh, I really have no idea how he could even pass the clinicals. Uh, and to me, it feels like he was drugged when I tried him just because it was just like black and white. Like, it's just so different. Like he isn't just like, he's not just like spooky, like a little bit, like this horse is like spooky. Okay. <laughs> like he is like completely opposite of the horse that I tried. So, I mean, at this point, it's also like, which vets do you trust? Like, was this vet possibly paid off? Was this vet I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I don't have any proof of that, but it makes you think of things like that. Like, how does a vet doing sound x-rays, blood work, two clinicals, not find these things, right? It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me at all. He's very, he's like, very I did the whole American and no, it still did not. situation. Right. I already see it coming whenever we present you a horse that you like, that you tried, this, that, the other. I see you coming with three different vets. <laughs> <laughs> you for sure are going to find something. I mean, there is always something in the x-rays, but there's always going to be. But it's like, I mean, with an experience as such, I understand why it's, it's difficult. And mentally, it must be draining too, because you want to just do this for fun. It's not like you're a professional trying to make profit. You just want to have a hot horse, as you said. And, and it's draining. It's so draining mentally draining because in the back of your mind you're thinking about it all I even had to give myself a mental break and stop working for like about a month because I was just upset because I felt just I just felt taken advantage of um I was shocked that someone like that I considered really close to me would hurt me like this and just it's just bad business you know what I mean I would never let alone a very close friend um and at the same time it's an animal it's a living breathing thing so it's not like oh it's fine like no every single day there is money that's going towards this you know i'm getting the x-rays done i'm getting the infiltrations i'm getting the everything you know what i mean i'm trying everything to make this horse better um and more happy and it's just it's mentally draining and that's again like I said like it'd be different if I was like trying to be like a competitor or something like that no I just want a hobby horse like I yeah. want something that's super pretty that I spoil like I'm not trying to jump super high I'm just like I told you I'm like the <laughs> I'm like the token adult amateur like if it's if I don't see the sun outside I don't go riding Oh, I'm saying if it's snowing, I don't go. If it's too cold, I don't go. Like I do this for enjoyment. You know what I mean? Yeah, so really it's just really so that. strange that it would happen like that. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's very unfortunate and and you've been so picky because you want to know something. The horses that you tried with us last summer, um, they've all sold to America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. All of them. All I'm so picky and you know what it's and two like, amateurs I know and I know that whenever I sent you the video of the horse that I ended up purchasing you were kind of a little shocked because it was not up to the standards that I usually hold yeah but it's, the thing it's is, also, is that it's also not that big of a deal like what you need to buy for yourself considering your case is not a competitor ultimately it's a nice safe sweet gentle caring horse 
that can take you around, yeah. give you confidence. It doesn't matter if it jumps 130 or 110. You just need a nice, easy, tall horse. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> and so... But the problem I, I have get that. <laughs> is that every time I send you an I easy, think... tall horse, you don't like it. <laughs> I need a move. Um, but I don't know. I think with this in regards to this, I think that I made the purchase more because I trusted this person yeah. pretty blindly. Um, that's why I really made the purchase. I was like, okay, someone that I look up to, uh, you know, she's very professional. Um, I've known her for a really long time. She's a great job. And if she says this horse is great, even though I'm not 100%, then I trust her. Um, sadly, it didn't work out. But um, now I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> I'm only going to trust you. Don't really trust you. me. Look, I, I can also make mistakes and I'll never tell you the contrary. You know, as, no. as people, it's, it's important to know that we're not perfect on our side, but we try our best. No, of course. And I also think that honesty is the best policy, you know, because there could be a horse that has some sort of something in their x-ray because all of them really initially and ultimately do. But as long as you know what it is going into the transaction and you're okay with it and it's something that you think you can maintain and you can live with and you're aware of, then I think it's fine. In order for someone to like go behind someone's back and lie about things and I don't know maybe persuade the vet to pass the horse I think that that's just really bad horsemanship I think that that's really what's been happening in the recent years and I think that slowly people are becoming aware of that and something like that is where your company comes into play you know to bring back the passion and the happiness that this sport provides instead of having this nightmare of a case like I had you know, all I think about is like, you know, luckily I have my own business. I I do pretty well for myself. I'm just thinking like, what if this was like a girl that was like 16 years old and her parents like had a savings account and spent all of it on this horse. And then they're stuck with this horrible horse for their daughter. It's not at all what they, they thought that they were purchasing. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it's like, you know, in our sport, we often speak of the... You know, 50k horse is not expensive, but for a lot of people, 50,000 is a ton of money. And it's like, in some places, it is the price of a house, you know? Right. So it's like, it's like we have to also understand the reason why, you know, we take so much time into picking horses and the reason why we, we work with very good lawyers to close transactions. And, and it never means there's never going to be an issue, Touchwood. We've never had it. It never means that the vetting's going to go through and be perfect because we have failing vet checks all the time. Sometimes people are willing to take the risk, sometimes no, but it's just about having the bridge between the buyer and the seller. If the seller lies to you, it's their responsibility. But at least we try to push you to have the right vet. We try to push you to pick your own vet. We try to push you to go try the horse. If you don't want to, that's your risk. That's the risk you're willing to take. But if we can put services in place from different parties, different people, technology also, you know, in the future to, to centralize everything, it's just so much better. I totally, I, I completely agree. You know, it's now we have all these great technologies to help the horses. 
all these great therapies, everything is like totally advanced now. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, you can maintain something that's there. And also it depends on what you're willing to do. You know, so the second horse that I just purchased, he does have some issues. Um, I found the issues and I spoke with my vet and we both agreed, you know, hey, if you're going to do what you're going to do with it, it shouldn't be a problem. You're not going to be able to resell to the States. Not that I ever wanted to. Or moving forward, you'll probably just have to, you know, retire him at the end. And I was like, okay, because the price was really good. It's a good horse, a confidence builder. He's 18 hands for me. Um, super sweet, really good looking. And if he lasts two years, I'm going to be super happy. That's great. It's just I wanted something to be consistent while I'm looking for that forever horse that I'm going to eventually have. How old um, is the new one? 14. <clears throat> okay. Oh, shit. The one I was thinking of presenting you is 14, so we, we don't want a second granddad. Okay. <laughs> we don't need a second 14-year-old. Like a 10, 11, I guess would be probably more ideal. Just something I could have for like longer than like two years, three years. Yeah, no, that, that um, with his problems, that'll be like a thing if he lasts two or three years. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. And I think that we should totally get back into the... I mean, this has nothing to do with horses. This is just me being very sneaky. I want to know about what you do professionally. Okay, so what I do professionally (laughs) is uh, I'm a matchmaker. So pretty much, to quick summarize, I introduce people to date and get married. Um, my business is international. Um, I work from anywhere. I have a really big network and I've been working on networking and my Rolodex since forever. I actually started doing it for free. And then I was like, why am I doing this for free when I'm doing a really good job? And my clients are extremely wealthy. (laughs) So I decided to turn it into a business and I'm so glad I did. It was the best thing I've ever done, uh, creating a business. Of course, as you know, it can be a little stressful in the beginning, but it, it's really, really worth it. And um, I absolutely love my job. So I'm kind of like the love version of the horse of you. Like you get, you match people with horses and I match people for love and marriage. So people don't, really pe- nice. people don't fail the vet check. <laughs> there is no vet check for that. No. <laughs> what is, okay. So I want to know a crazy story that happened in your matchmaking business, if you're allowed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, as long as I don't say names. Okay. Um, so I did have a client. Um, actually, a very famous movie was uh, made. Um, and he was, he kind of like checked all the boxes, you know, a self-made entrepreneur, very attractive, um, extremely intelligent, really fun, very funny. Uh, when you went to dinner with him, uh, he was always nice to the staff, very cool, tons of people. Um, and he was very picky. Usually most of my clients are pretty picky. Um, but usually I can match someone within like one to two months, maybe three months, but usually within that range. This guy was going on probably six months. I would give him exactly what he wanted and he would always find something that was wrong. 
he would come back and say, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. Just like small things here and there. I was like, okay, this is so weird. So then, of course, you know, you go through this and you start to help the girls and say, okay, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. Uh, maybe work on this. Be aware of that. <clears throat> Finally, he went on a date with his girl and she did perfectly, perfectly. Like, for sure, this is going to be it. I called her. She was super happy. You know, he was a gentleman. We had a fantastic evening. I really hope to see him again. He called me and he said her skin was too soft. What? <laughs> I was like, excuse me, do you, would, would you like to use sandpaper instead of lotion? Like, <laughs> what is that? Um, so, you know, I fired him that moment uh, and we definitely don't work together anymore. Uh, but I think that's probably like the craziest story. I mean, I never got this man on a second date. I really think that I I don't know. I think that he's not happy with himself or he wants like a drinking out buddy. He's lonely. I'm not sure. But, you know, usually people are very honest with their matchmakers. They have to be. They end up actually becoming super close friends of mine. Usually my clients do. So for this one was just, you know, a mystery. But when he said that her skin was too soft, I was like, all right, buddy, like. <laughs> I think we should look into like maybe making like a Japanese doll for you. Like, I think this is gonna work. It's actually it's actually funny because I don't want to bring this up and offend you, but normally when people ask me to find them a horse, text me one to two months. You've taken me yeah, over exactly. six. Exactly, exactly. I never really go over like two or three months. It's very rare for me. So this guy taking six months I was just I was just like you know committed I was like I'm going to out like I'm going to be one to like you know break this bachelor and like get him to settle down and be happy I took it as a challenge but when he told me it was her skin was too soft I was like all right I'm waving the white flag I give up is it it a commission-based business how does it work so it's a monthly membership so they can choose if they want to have like a local membership, which would mean like the city that they're in. And then they can have a domestic membership, which would be the country and then international, which is everywhere. So that's for like more of the people that travel often. They spend some of their time in Europe, some of their time in America, some of the time in Dubai, whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's a monthly membership. So that's quite cool, I do everything. I I, I do everything. I help them. I coach them. I give them therapy. Um, I give them life coaching. Um, I send them on mock dates. I do background checks. I ask for referrals. I go through their social medias, clean it up. I mean, I, I do everything. I make reservations. I plan the dates. Uh, it's a, wow. I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. Usually people are very, very with the results of it that's fun actually but it, it's very funny that we, we talk about that because I've always said like I do exactly what you do but not with people but with horses exactly mm-hmm. we literally have the, the same job I set up the vet checks but it's it's a little bit more fancy to do matchmaking of people I feel because there's more gossip you know like 
pulls his gusset and like, oh, he's got a comet in the x-rays or he fails a pyro. Yours is cooler. <laughs> you know, like, I've never had anybody fail me awards because he had fell, like he had a, a smooth coat. Never happened. <laughs> too, yeah, his 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 uh, coat was definitely too shiny. It's a problem. Too shiny, too, too shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, okay, cool. Well, look, um, I definitely have to take a flight to come see you very very soon in Italy and catch up around a glass of wine on everything. What's Lexi doing in twenty twenty three? What's your plan? Oh my goodness, I'm doing so much. Um, hopefully, I find my heart horse this year um hopefully I get more consistent in my riding and I'm a little bit easier on my trainer god bless her she's amazing um and I'm going to be traveling a ton so I'll be in the state next month then Paris London Dubai I mean the list just goes on it's just a normal Lexi year of just traveling, networking, enjoying life, um, working, bettering myself, things like that. So, but you can always come and visit the winery, and you're really not that far. Barcelona Correct. and Milan is like an easy flight. You have no idea how excited that would be. And we're into wine too, so that's going to be very cool. Um, I and know. we're riding together. But exactly. yeah, my year is, is also going to be a bit crazy. I mean, as I said, we have a lot of similarities and, and a lot, you know, going on for ourselves. It, it's really, really cool. Do you have any... Okay, I, I want to ask you... Okay, so let's do a quick game. I'm going to ask you some questions and you have to... I started this because I recorded a podcast about Adam Rittenberg the other day. And okay. I, I don't know why I randomly started this, where I would ask him random questions and he had to reply very, very, very briefly just kind of like a get to know you know okay so okay so I can do one question and then okay we'll see we'll see so all right so Lexi's favorite favorite writer and what oh Jesus <laughs> you can name um, I think that my favorite writer when I was little used to be Margie Angle okay. um, I thought she was really really gentle uh, a good friend of mine actually would write her letters and she would really respond to them, um, which I thought was so sweet. And I love how she's like, just like this like little miniature person that just gets on these huge horses and like jumps these jumps that are like seven times the height of her. Uh, no fear at all. Uh, just like a really great horse person to my knowledge. So I think that she was my favorite back in the day okay. uh, nowadays I don't know if I have a favorite I think I've been like away from the scene too much to really know really great riders um, watch the big shows or anything anymore one thing that you love when you're around horses one particular thing I just love that I put my phone away and the second I get on the horse I don't really think about anything else um, even when I'm not on them or just tacking them up or tack or brushing them, feeding them treats, whatever it may be. It's just, it's so calming. Um, I feel really good. Like I'm, I always leave. If I go to the barn in a really, really bad mood, the second that I leave, I'm in a great mood. I'm like, you know, blasting music out of my car, 
smile on my face. I'm, I have the best day afterwards. Um, I think it's super therapeutic, super stress relieving. So I would say that's probably my favorite part. To be fair, I think this is also something like that brings mindfulness. Um, you know, like horses bring so much mindfulness to our life. Like for me, it is also a way to relax and have fun. Exactly. And also I love animals, so it just adds on to it. And then finally, one thing that particularly annoys you about American equestrians. Oh, fuck. <laughs> How long do you have? <laughs> just make it short. Um, okay. I think that American equestrians are really nice. I, I really like the fact that they give their kids a good foundation. I think that starting the kids at a hunter phase or equitation phase is really, really good. Um, they definitely don't have that here in Europe, and I think that they're missing it. Um, however, I don't like the exploiting of the prices. The prices are obscene. When I moved here, I remember I made my boyfriend take me to a barn that was uh, down the street because I didn't speak Italian. And he was translating what this woman was saying, and I was asking, you know, how much is it to lease a horse? How much is it to buy a horse? How much is it to board for lessons? And my boyfriend was translating to me, and I was laughing. I was like, you don't, I don't think you understand what she's saying. Like, you're, you know, there's no way that this is the price. And it actually was the price. Um, and it makes it a lot nicer. It's, you know, you're not talking about $5,000 a month for a show barn. You're not talking about, you know, a thousand dollar horse for like an average horse. So, you know, it's really, really nice what they do here. And I think that America kind of needs to chill out a little bit about it. And also, I don't think that in America, you know, when you go to a horse show, if you're not wearing the best equipment or wearing the best show clothes, like you're looked down upon, like, they look down their nose at you. Um, and I don't really think that that's really should be the most important. I think horsemen the most important and who you are as a person. Um, I just wish we could go back to like knowing why we fell in love with this sport and the business and, and stop just being so materialistic and shallow. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great way to... To, to put it together I think the culture is also very different you know like in Europe it's it's a very very strong tradition and most of the people that practice equestrian sports originally most of them are involved in agriculture the farmers things like that and, and as it has expanded it's it's less and less the case it's more and more people that have the wealth to do so so it's also mm -hmm. very much linked to status so I think that this is one of the main reasons why this is the case but um Look, let's um let's wrap up this podcast with a happy note. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to share your story. I really appreciate it. And and hopefully I'm gonna spend the next <laughs> sixty days finding a horse for you and something that works and that passes the vet. And hopefully we can make yeah. you happy. <laughs> I know you can. It's a it's definitely it's a hundred percent going to happen. So it it'll happen at the right time. No rush. You do such a fantastic job. I I just love, I just love your business and your thought behind it and your passion. And I'm just so excited now, and really excited to see your business grow and flourish. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your for your trust and for for your loyalty. And 
I think the, the next one I'm definitely not letting you go try on your own. It is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> not in Burberry. Not this time. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. I don't have anything else. <laughs> I'll go get you a pair of chocolate with the castle on. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, super, Lexis. Thank you so much for your time. I'll speak to you soon. Have a really good evening and uh, enjoy your, your weekend. Thank you so much. Okay, you too. See you soon. Bye-bye. And that concludes another exciting episode of Naysayers. We hope you enjoyed hearing Lexi's story and the challenges she faced buying horses without a team of dedicated people. At Bridal, we understand the importance of having a trustworthy and knowledgeable team to help you in your equestrian journey. That's why we're here to help you find the perfect show jumper for your needs. With a wide range of high-quality horses, you're sure to find the right one for you. So why wait? Head on over to our website today and start browsing our selection of show jumpers. Trust us, you won't regret it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Naysayers.